there and welcome to episode 15 of the Hawthorns Debate Club. My name is Jamie Clay and I'm joined every week by two gentlemen to have a few conversations and discussions about West Bromwich Albion. So let me start by saying a warm hello to my good friend Alex Collins. Hello. And hello to my little brother Joe Clay. Hello. So I'm going to start this week's podcast just a little bit differently we're going to go and set aside the pleasantries for a moment and instead i'm going to give you some hard hitting facts some statistics if you will so if you're ready we are four games into the new season that's 360 minutes of football that's 360 minutes of foul ball or as it's better becoming known heart attack ball as of today West Brom have scored the most goals in the championship. They have the highest XG in the championship as well. We have the fewest shots against. We've won the most corners of any team. And we also have the most expected points. And we are currently sat joint top of the championship with Fulham only because of goal difference. I'm sure you'll agree as you're listening to that, they are all top-notch facts. But what does all of this number crunching and data mean? Well, for me, it simply means that heart attack ball is not only exciting to watch, but it is also ruthlessly effective as well, as was once more demonstrated on Saturday against a Blackburn. But before we get to the mauling at Ewood, let me say thank you for downloading the Hawthorne's Debate Club today. Your love and support means everything to us without you. Life is a meaningless void. And as you spice up our lives, let me encourage you to allow the spice of this podcast to overflow into your life as well by telling people about the podcast. You know, we're not great with social media. So the only way that we do truly get new listeners is when you lovely people tell other lovely people about the podcast. So please carry on engineering situations in your life to get people to listen to the podcast. So on this week's episode, of the Hawthorns Debate Club, we will be breaking down the Blackburn game, which helped to remind you that a scoreline doesn't always best describe a match of football. A game which opened with 30 seconds of pure cardiac foul ball and a stunning left-footed volley. After that, we'll talk some news and transfer activity, which is eerily quiet on that front at the moment. A little too quiet, if you ask me, before previewing both the Arsenal Cup game and our next league match So we'll begin with our game at the weekend, which finished 2-1 to West Brom, with Moat scoring very early on, Matt Phillips scoring just before half-time, and a mix-up at the back, which led to a Blackburn consolation goal. The game did finish 2-1 to Albion, as I said, but when you watched the game, it wasn't necessarily the storyline of the game, as most of the other statistics show, Albion absolutely battered Blackburn, and that's probably best shown in just the first 30 seconds. Guys, what did you make of that opening to that game? We've all seen it now. Blackburn kickoff and Albion just comes screaming out the blocks. It's like we said every week, come out the blocks quick and it wasn't any different against Blackburn. We came out and it was literally down there and, and Livermore had his shot on target. Keeper made a decent save. He put it against the bar. I think he came out to, was it Matty Phillips? Or someone who put it back into Mowit, which was a very slow cross and I thought it's going to take too long to get down there. And Mowit, you know what Mowit remind me of when watching the shot? You know on Mario Kart when you're on the start of the race and you have to hit the, the acceleration at the same time? 
time to get that that boost. That's what it was like, and he did it spot on. Yeah. And what a finish, Chris Brunt esque. Oh, I mean that could very easily lead us into one of our favourite recurring game shows on this podcast. Whose left foot would you rather have, Chris Brunt or Alex Mowat? Yeah, I think Alex Champagne Mowat, you know, nearly put in a hole in the back of the net. In his own words, it was a screamer. What a goal. I had to pinch myself. I was sat in the pub and a, an alert came through that the match had started. And then straight away, I got another buzz and I was, what's going on here? You know, it was a goal and it was just, couldn't have wished for a better start. And I think it's just typical Albion at the moment. They're just doing everything to please us. How good is it being an Albion fan at the moment? Long may it continue. Amen, brother, to that. I think if you were kind of giving someone like a little advert of what foul ball is this 30 seconds of football that's kind of been chopped up this kickoff to the moment that peach of a left foot the one strikes the ball that 30 seconds seems to kind of typify who Albion are that's like our identity wrapped up in an Instagram clip for me it's the perfect postcard of what heart attack ball is all about it's this frantic start this super aggressive pressing just driving runs into the box the midfields suddenly coming in late hitting the bar I couldn't believe that in the first 30 seconds of a game Albion had scored a goal had another shot on target and hit the bar it just doesn't seem possible to do all of that and yet with Val Ishmael all things are possible. So what I started the game, and I think, as you said, Alex, it seems to just wrap up what Albion are all about at the moment. Yeah, one thing I was loving about the game, Jamie, is that I kept checking my phone because unfortunately I couldn't watch the game. It was just amazing. that Our shots on target compared to theirs. At one point, it was we had 14 or 16 shots and Blackburn had only had one or two. And I just thought this looks like an absolute rout. To be honest, as I was watching the game, the number of chances that we seem to create and the chances, they were really good chances. And for me, one of the best players on that pitch was Blackburn's goalkeeper because he has played out of his mind to save some of those shots. There were so many shots just peppering him all day. And they were good shots, do you know what I mean? On another day, Albion could have very easily had a five or six. It wasn't just like stat padding shots. They were genuine chances. What did you make of the game overall? Personally, I think we played as good as we played in any other game. It's a shame about Clark, but us scoring before half-time, that saved us a bit because I think we've got brilliant defenders in our team. But he's he's something different, isn't he? I know I mention this every week and maybe he's becoming my favourite player. I don't know. And I don't normally have a, a defender as a favourite player, but he's brilliant. He's he easy all, to he, love. Yeah, he is. He just gets his head on everything. And in set pieces, he's brilliant at disturbing the defence. And even if he doesn't get his head on it, they might score an own goal or whatever, as we've seen in the past couple of games. I think we play, and this is what we're going to see every week, you can't play bad valuable. It's either we're going to get attacked on the counter-attack and lose that way, but I think we'll always play well. It's just if the other team captures or we make mistakes. And that's what we've been doing, haven't we? We've made mistakes. That's a great point. I really do think the loss of Matt Clark hurts us. Very disappointed this week that own goal didn't get onto the score sheet. Disappointed that he couldn't make anything happen this week. But as you say, I think Matt Clark, from a defensive standpoint, will miss him. But also, as you say, from this attacking view, we're going to miss him as well. It probably was, as they say, the perfect time to score a goal. And Matty Phillips had come into the squad to replace Dean Garner, which is something we'd speculated about on the podcast. Would that be happening soon? He kind of fulfilled that central role, which pushed Robinson out to the right and Grant out on the left. Grant is having a great season. Al, you've seen the goals now. It was a proper good finish from Matty Phillips, just being in the right place at the right time. 
Yeah, I think, as you mentioned, Grant deserves a lot of credit for his work in the build-up to the goal. But yeah, it's a goal that we're going to come accustomed to throughout the season. As you say, I think it's a bit of a shame that Clark's now injured. Hearing reports that he's going to be out for six weeks, if any of the listeners haven't heard yet. And I mean, Blackburn, the no pushovers. I think they were up there in the table before the game. Cracking result, really, against a Tony Mowbray team that's doing mm-hmm. quite well. I think he got a good reception, as he always does, from the Baggies fans. Really enjoyed Tony Mowbray as a manager. I don't know if either of you two have got any thoughts on that. I loved him. I loved him there. I think that was a, a brilliant season with him. Did we score the most we've ever scored in the Championship? I'm pretty sure that's one of the stats from Tony Mowbray. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, the team we had under Mowbray was exceptional. And this Blackburn side, again, they played well. In the second half, they came out and seemed to find another gear. Again, I think the game still favoured Albion and their goalkeeper, Kapinski or something. I've just butchered his name, but he was having a great game. He saved a couple of shots from Grant and, and other players. I didn't get to see much of the long throwing this week, but apparently those at the game. Joe Massey and Luke Hatfield obviously expressing style were reporting that Blackburn fans were deeply deeply upset by the fact that we'd placed towels around the ground um, which is becoming like a little bit more of our kind of our calling card we just leave a towel after we do the long ball which I think is kind of a nice thing but it's great to see that we were scoring from open play and that we're not just overly reliant on set pieces. Yeah I sort of saw that about the towel thing and Blackburn fans having a go at us taking so long, taking a throw and all that. But I'm sure Pedersen, who was a Blackburn player, he was one of the first ones to do like a very long throw in, into the box. They, they've got no right to do it. They were one of the first teams to do it. They bought it to football. Which leads us to another round of whose left foot would you rather have? Henrik Pedersen or Chris Brunt? Henrik. What's his name, Henrik? Morton. Oh, Gans. I'm leaving it in. We're going to be Morton Gans Pedersen. Morton, yeah. Henrik Pedersen. <laughs> the question remains. called Morton, haven't we? The question yeah. remains. Morton Gans Pedersen, it may be, but would you rather have a better left foot than Henrik Pedersen? <laughs> Henrik Pedersen, if you're listening to this right now, <laughs> what a wonder of a left foot. So Blackburn were able to kind of get a toehold in the game, which did lead to a few nervy minutes towards the end. I think watching it, we never Don't really. Toehold, Jamie, sorry. <laughs> What's a toehold? A toehold, you know, like when you're climbing, you you know, you got to get your the little nooks and crannies that you have to hold, isn't it? Oh, I suppose toehold's like next level, isn't it? Yeah, this is even more like fragile and precarious than a foothold. This toehold, this one goal that they scored back <laughs> into it. They managed to capitalise on a little bit of a mix-up at the back. And it's not the first time we've seen it. There's been a few mix-ups in other matches as well, which have led to goals to the opposition. I'm kind of mainly thinking about the Luton match, where we didn't clear our lines effectively. A little bit of miscommunication as Johnson's performing this more sweeper goalkeeper role. I felt sorry for Sam Johnson on this one, to be honest, because it's been said as well, there was a number of occasions when he made this clearance great. And I think he's really kind of settled well into this new role. And he did clear the ball. He raced out and he met it so many times. But on this one particular occasion, obviously it went wrong and fell through to their Chilean international. Any thoughts on the mix-ups? I'm in total agreement with you about feeling sorry for Sam Johnson because in the end of the day, if you were to teach, let's say, a midfielder to be an attacker, people give him a bit of time. Like Matty Phillips, he's played loads of different positions and everyone's going to give him time up top if he's playing in the centre. 
But being a sweeper keeper, it's a d- different position, isn't it? Really, he's still a goalkeeper, so he has to say. But that's his normal bread and butter. But a sweeper keeper is a total b- different position to what he's ever played before. So he's learning, and to be fair, he's doing well for it. It was just a bit of a slice on this occasion, and unfortunately, it hit off the Chilean international and went into it. Could have hit off anywhere, but it went straight in front of him, and uh, it was a tapping for him. But keep it up, Sam. I think it's the presence of, like you say, the attacker being there. And I think one of our defenders is right next to him as well. And it just seems to be caught in two minds very briefly. I also think it's one of those positions whereby a mistake is almost inevitably going to lead to a goal. It's not like when you're playing in other positions on the pitch where if you make a mistake, you hand over possession. If you hand over position as a sweeper keeper, it's the players through on goal, essentially. So I think it's much. It's going to look worse than it is always. It's going to look more dramatic whatever the case may be yeah I kind of think it's the curse of the goalkeeper really because they don't get as much credit for saving a goal than they do for making a mistake every keeper's got a mistake in their locker and if you just look at the the looting game I think Johnston made some incredible saves towards the end of the game that helped just get through to the finish line credit where credit's due and you know he's human although this might put potential suitors off you know if they see a recent mistake but I mean any suitor worth their salt probably just see this as just a blip Suitors worth their salt. I love that phrase. I think it's one of those things that obviously it was just a, a blemish on an otherwise great day at the office for the Albion. And what the thing that I think most impressed me about when Blackburn equalised is that we didn't necessarily take our foot off the gas. There could have been this, we could have just fallen back into our shape and allowed them all of the possession and all of the ball. But we did, we continued to attack. And again, their keeper was just having an absolute worldie of a day and consequently we didn't get the third or the fourth or the fifth goal but ultimately I love the way we carried on playing the way we play again let me hit you with some statistics about this game we had 23 shots 16 chances created our xg for the game this blows my mind our xg was actually four that's actually come down from nearly five over the last few days. So obviously they do review that to Blackburn's 1.29. I know not everyone's a fan of XG, but it really does give you some sort of indication that on the day their keeper either had a blinder or our strikers perhaps weren't finishing as well as they could. Perhaps that does point to the fact that we do need a true number nine. Um, but we had 11 shots on target to Blackburn's two. Um, so I think all in all, you have to say, I think it agrees with what you've both already said. We've played great in this game and the scoreline doesn't necessarily show our dominance, but we really did do justice to what Heart Attack Ball is all about. Just want to quickly wrap up our thoughts about this game. Obviously, loads of players stood out on the day. Perhaps if you want to give us your starman, if you have a starman or a starman from the game who you were particularly pleased with or proud of, or you just want to share a few thoughts about. I want to go for Mowat for that goal, to be honest. You can't go against that, can you? I know I know. there's a lot of players. Matty Fitz played well. Grant played well. A lot of defenders played well. But that goal is going to go down in Albion history, isn't it? It's going to be shown in the Hawthorns seasons to come because it's just a screamer. It's goal of the season contender already, potentially. Does anybody yeah, know definitely. why they call them screamers? No. Are you going to, Are you going to reveal it to us now? No, just, you know, is it because of the noise they make or is it, I don't know. No, potential. <laughs> just a cliffhanger in the, the podcast the there. <laughs> Scream. <laughs> I'm going to Google it. Listeners, if you're listening to this and you know the origin 
of the word screamer. What's the word for like etymology? Is that the right word of the word screamer? I could be making that up altogether. Um, but let us in the wrong crowd. What Albion fans? Yeah, <laughs> do you reckon it's the goalkeeper? The goalkeeper screams when he see when it comes towards him. <laughs> that doesn't do, do justice to how sensational it is. Though it feels kind of petty if it's just about the the goalkeeper letting out like a playground scream. Yeah, Al, who would your... just before he goes into the boiling pot? These are terrifying images now. <laughs> Al, who was your star man? Staying true to form, um, it's got to be. Moat hasn't it uh, for that goal he's getting a lot of plaudits I just think he's going to have a brilliant career with us really really impressed by his start and I'll complete the hat-trick then I guess I'll say Moat as well he, again been so impressed with him his all-round game is really good he seems to be the player who gets the little flick-ons breaks up possession for the other team and then he's always one of those players running from deep to kind of find a way into the box been so impressed with start and I think those the goal against Sheffield United and this goal against Blackburn showed the kind of range of his game like the the breaking run but then also the screamer (laughs) That he scored against Blackburn. He's such a good player. And the conversation I've heard on Not the Top 20 podcast, they were having a conversation. Is he potentially the best player in the championship? I'm not sure about that, but so far this season, he's got to be up there as one of Albion's top players. And he's got to be possibly the best signing of any championship club this season. I totally agree with that because he's scored two in the last two games, hasn't he? Yes. And he's been a major part, probably every goal, except the long throw-ins, which is just a tell. If he's not the best, he's certainly up there in the top three. Does anybody imagine, you know, when talking about the towel, towel off uh, South Park? I thought you were about to lead us on another spiritual journey then, Joe. That could be a weird one, to be fair, with Towley. Imagine you are Darnell Furlong's towel. You're sat on the sidelines alone. You've not thought about much other than assisting since the last game. And now here's your moment. Darnell walks up to you. He takes you in his hands. He wraps you around the ball before he places you to one side as you watch as he launches the ball into the box. And who should rise like a salmon from the stream? But own goal, who places his head on the ball and you watch Darnell wheel around in celebration and run to you. He picks you up and embraces you. And open your eyes and you're back. That's another Hawthorne's Debate Club special spiritual journey there for you. Yeah, I reckon we're going to have a new mascot, aren't we, soon? Towelman. The boiler and the towel. Uh, and eventually we'll get like a tribe of just random objects. Household um, objects. <laughs> <laughs> Domestic appliances and bathroom furniture. So we leave Ewood Park with another three points. It means we've got three wins, one draw and zero losses at the moment. Currently second in the table, just behind Fulham on goal difference. Stoke are also on 10 points. Gosh, they're having a good season, but 10 points in four games. If you were offered that at the start of the season, would you guys have taken that? I think you'd be stupid not to take that. Brilliant tally for the first four games. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Joe. Couldn't have hoped for a better start, really, unbeaten. 
Yeah, it's worrying signs for the rest of the league. I think that us and Fulham have started so well. Everyone's kind of predicted one and two and we're already there after a few games. You expect like a few anomalies at the start of the season, like someone to be ahead. But for us to be already there, I think it's kind of a little bit writing on the wall for how the league's going to play out this season. And I think as the games go by, as Joe said, the mistakes... The sloppy mistakes that are leading to goals, if we can eradicate them, I, I can't see anyone really catching us and Fulham. But there's a long way to go yet. So let's go into a little bit of news. Obviously, Clark, the news has come out that the injury suffered, as Alex has said. He is now out for four to six weeks according to reports, but by the time he gets back, that could easily extend to eight weeks. Other injury news, apparently there is a few rumours going around on social media that two first-team players have tested positive for COVID and they are now self-isolating, which obviously has implications for the first-team squad and who will be selected there. Just some of the news around the club, because obviously we're all about the whole organism, the whole entity of West Bromwich Albion. So there's been some appointments for Albion's women's team, Siobhan Hodgetts has been named as one of the first full-time coaches at the club and Jenny Sugarman has been named as the head coach of West Bromwich Women so we want to say the best of luck to those in their endeavours with the women's team and obviously they're looking to move up the leagues and really start to establish themselves and their identity as a women's team and a bit of a force there so we'll keep an eye on them as the season progresses. Moving on to kind of the more transfer end of things, and this is where it's starting to get exciting, but also a little bit worrying. As I said at the start of the podcast, it's a little bit quiet, like eerie, mysterious, kind of what you call those things in a cowboy movie, things that blow around. Tumbleweed. Tumbleweed is just rolling around the East End car park. <laughs> um, because we've got what a week till almost a week to the day actually we're doing a little bit of another late night session here at the Hawthorns Debate Club we've got one week and an hour basically left to sign players but there's not really much going on it would seem guys you've got your ears to the ground on this one what are the rumours that are circulating around at the moment. I'm going to not take a rumour. I'm going to take a certified confirmation transfer deal that uh, Sawyers has left the Albion. And I'm kind of annoyed about this Stoke. We're always going to be there and about when we basically loan to one of our rivals now. They're on the same points as us. And they're going to, they've got a good squad, good manager. And they're going to be around the playoffs or in their maybe automatic positions, you know. We've got to think about the club before the player. And it's kind of annoyed me that we've given them probably a very, very decent championship player in their midfield. And they've got a good squad. Screams so, are uh, Agent Sawyers to me. <laughs> he's in the deep cover now but to be fair well, I don't think he's good enough to get into our team and I don't think he's good enough to be in a championship winning team there's part of me that thinks we should have sold him rather than loaned him typical Albion really we, we, we're quite good at buying players and getting good bargains but in terms of selling players we just haven't got a clue I think we really struggle because I think his contract expires next season as well so effectively he's gone on a free I agree to some extent with Joe but on the other hand I don't think he's good enough for us and if somebody else snaps him up then I don't think he's, he's alright but he's not great 
Yeah, I like Romain Sawyers. I, I like what he was able to do the season before last, but I do think he didn't adapt well to kind of the higher level of football that was expected of him. And unfortunately, the way he plays the game, this kind of nonchalant, cavalier kind of stylish and elegant way of playing the game, it's not based on industry and work ethic. And I think very often when you play like he does and it's not going well, you these words like lazy and stuff get thrown around or doesn't do enough. He wasn't able to adapt to the energy levels that were required even in the premiership. And now with this new football coming in, Valerian Ishmael's brought in this real high intensity. I don't think that he wasn't just not good enough. I just think stylistically he was totally at odds with the way that Valerian Ishmael wants to play. I think the one part about giving him to Stoke on loan that does make sense is that obviously it ensures that he can't play against us so he can't hurt us in a direct way but I agree with Joe indirectly obviously there will be ramifications to this but I just think in the grand scheme of things most people didn't have Sawyers anywhere near the first team squad in fact a guy who's only ever played non-league football Quevin Castro most people had him well ahead of Romain Sawyers and that says a lot it's only a good deal if we replace him with a better player if we don't replace him, then we're thinning squad. Which brings us very nicely into perhaps looking at some of the additions coming into the squad. Obviously, most people had said even before Sawyers was let go that central midfield was a desperate position of need. Not so much due to the quality of the players we've got. I think Livermore seems to have adapted well. And obviously, as we've already said, Alex Moa is just a star. But it does seem a little bit threadbare in midfield, central midfield positions. Guys... Have we been linked to any central midfielders? And if not, where have we been linked and with who? So I, I did a bit of research before we started tonight. And, um, Alex's research corner. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't find any midfielders that we're being linked with. We were linked with that Travis Chalaber. I mean, he, he looks brilliant for Chelsea in the Super Cup final. And I think he played, uh, scored his first goal. I think it was last week. He's the one that got away, isn't he? How, how good would he have been? But I, I reckon... We're operating under the radar, I do. I'm, I'm sure we'll bring in two or three new faces before next Tuesday. Absolutely, that's what I hope as well. I think we're cutting it fine, as is often our style. One of the parts of deadline day that makes it so entertaining is usually Albion are involved. Is there any names that have been in the news that have kind of caught your eye? I think we've been linked with more strikers than anything else. Yeah, well, we've uh, as we spoke about the last couple of weeks, Daryl Dyke again, he's been tweeting Alex Mowat about his goal, saying just another game of heads and volleys. So that might be some plus on our side that he wants to be back with Alex. So hopefully Val's going to get on that phone and get him down the album because, to be honest, we haven't been linked with any other strikers that I know of because we can go on YouTube and look at Daryl Dyke at Orlando and Barnsley last season. But that's it, really. Alex, anything? Yeah, I, not- I noticed that we're being linked with this player called Matteo Cassiera. Cassiera. Uh, and he plays in Portugal for Belenenses Sad. <laughs> that's what they call Belenenses Sad for some reason. But yeah, this guy's Colombian. He's from Barbacoas and he's uh, 24 years old. He's six foot and one inch. Now, I reckon the last three players that we've spoke about have been six foot and one inches tall. 
So Are you sure you're opening a new tab and you're not just reading the same? I'm absolutely. I'm not. I'm not doing that. But maybe this is something that Ishmael like. Maybe he's got a special, like a specific requirement for a certain height. I don't know because I know that at Barnsley they did a lot of data crunching and things like that. So coincidence? I don't know. You know that team you mentioned, the Bellinis is sad. Yeah. Their nicknames are the Bethlehem. Nice. The pastries. Pastries. <laughs> the Order of the Christ Cross. Oh wow! Some I mean, strong they... names. These guys have gone in. They've gone in on the nicknames there. They're not happy with throwing out some old faithful nicknames. What was it? The Bethlehems. Oh, How'd oh, you fall on a nickname like the Bethlehems? Like that's a bit. The There's pastries. Gotta... That's what I like. Yeah, there must be some good pastries there. Like. <laughs> it's quite a contrast as well. The birthplace of the Messiah or Greg's. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah. Well, I've I've literally just seen on Instagram that it looks like Bellinese is sad, the Bethlehem pastries Teo Cassiera looks like he's heading to Russia, so that's some breaking news there on the pod, so there's another one bites the dust unfortunately there's been some kind of more wild speculation, one of the names that's been out and about there and it just seems to me totally bizarre and at odds with everything that we're trying to achieve but Andy Carroll, what would you guys think about that? To be fair, with the football we've been playing, if he holds the ball up. Don't say it. I wouldn't have him because he's injury prone to be honest. Thank you. But, yeah, there you go. but in the long throw-ins with him and he's Adrian he's top class. He does hold the ball up. He's like a better well it's not, I don't even know if he's a better how Robson can do to be fair. He's just a better header. So, yeah, well, providing they roll out the physio bed into the six-yard box for mm. long balls into the box, then we'll be all right with Andy Carroll, I guess. But yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be happy with that if we got him on deadline day or the next couple of days. I would not be happy with it. I would, I wouldn't mind signing him if we got him on decent wages and he could come on as an impact sub uh, towards the end of games. I think that would be quite a good buy, really, with his experience. I know that he's probably on high wages, having played for Liverpool and been at Newcastle for some time. Local hero at Newcastle, or at least he was. So, you know, I wouldn't mind him, providing he's on low wages. Yeah, I've got to be honest, I feel like that would, to me, have all of the earmarks of a panic, last-minute kind of deal if we pulled that one through. I mean, he's been out of contract since... I don't know when, but he's been available this whole time. And for not to get a deal done until the last week of the transfer window would just scream desperation to me. A good question here that Alex has posed in the notes, so I'll ask it here now, is what would be the minimum number of signings you'll be happy with in the lead up to the transfer deadline? Three minimum now. With Sawyer's going, I think we need three. A squad player and two people who can slot straight into the starting lineup. Not saying they would, but they could be on that rotation. I would like to. I'd like to see a striker come in and uh, just a midfielder to bolster that position. If we didn't sign anybody, I wouldn't be too upset. But I just think we need, you know, we've made a bit of money out of Pereira. We've got some money in the kitty. Maybe we should just buy a striker. The school of thought as well inside of me that thinks maybe save a bit of money until the winter transfer window. And then, you know, we can spend money on a position that becomes apparent that we need to cover. Well, just to kind of break some more news to you, live on the podcast here, boys, another name off the list, unfortunately, because it seems Real Madrid have offered £137 million for Kylian Mbappe. So it looks like he'll be picking the Bernabeu over the Hawthorns for his future. So another potential striker off Val's list. 
Let's move on then from the transfer deadline day. Hopefully by the time we get to the podcast next week, we've got loads of transfer activity to fill you in on and the tumbleweed scare that we've speculated about it, the zombie apocalypse of the East End car park and its complete abandonment won't come to fruition and we'll see that we signed wonderful midfielders and strikers and whatever. Let's move on to look at the game that's taking place tomorrow night in the... What is it? What cup is it now? It's the League Cup, but what's it called? The Carabao Cup. Carabao. Carabao Cup. Um, second round uh, against Arsenal at home. Ishmael has come out and said that the championship is his first priority and the first priority of the club. Therefore, you can expect to see, I imagine, a fair amount of squad rotation and some of the youngsters coming into the team. Obviously, we said that there was first team players that are already being self-isolating. Guys, who would you say that this game poses an opportunity for in the squad? Snodgrass, maybe, coming off the bench if he's not fully fit. Castro, to show what he's worth. And just all the youngsters, to be fair. And Zahor, to show, to get himself back in the, you know, lie on the bench. I think it, this is a big opportunity for Zahor to show that he has the aptitude to try and play valuable. I had so much hope for Zahor at the beginning of this season because I felt sorry for him. He was bought for big money. I thought, come on. He might work for Valbor, so hopefully he shows something tomorrow against Arsenal. Yeah, I think it'll be a really big opportunity for fringe players. Perhaps that's why it's been a bit quiet on the transfer front, because Ishmael would just like to see out this game, give those fringe players an opportunity to impress. I really hope Castro gets a start, because I really like the look of him from the couple of games that I've seen of him. And to see Snodders back from injury as well, it'd be quite interesting to see where he fits into the team, whether he sees him as like a centre midfielder or more of a winger. But yeah, you know, I think it's Arsenal will pose tough opposition so I think it'll be a good test for whoever does play be quite a good game live on Sky yeah I think it's going to answer a few interesting questions I do think what you said there both of you about Snodgrass is really interesting where will he slot into the lineup? obviously we know he can cover multiple positions but will he be a central midfielder and that's why Sawyer's been allowed to go or where will the pecking order of central midfielders lie and as you say I think one of the players that the speculation may start the game is Dean Garner to try and build some more confidence there. I think we can expect to see Arsenal name a fairly changed lineup as well. They have had a really, really poor start to the season. They've lost both of their league games so far to Brentford and Chelsea, but there's potential that they could have Aaron Ramsdale in goal. So he gets another trip back to the Hawthorns and also Odegaard could be starting for them. Their new signing, obviously one of their kind of marquee signings in what has been a really strange summer for them so there's a potential there to go out and cause an upset in my opinion to really kind of solidify their bad start they've got Man City on Saturday as well so they might save a few players for that game yeah the funny thing Arsenal have spent the most in the transfer window haven't they 135 million and they've got nothing for it so we could see some of those players like you said Odegaard Ramsdale I think they might play white to get some confidence in them so I don't see them having such a weaker side than people are thinking. I know they've got Man City, but I think most sides in the Premiership will write that one off. Well, a weakened Arsenal side is still going to be really strong compared to most Championship sides' first team. So uh, some of the Arsenal youngsters 
are notoriously being for being extraordinarily talented and exciting football players, but obviously just not ready for the first team in the Premiership. So I'm expecting that this game will be a good game. I think Val is keen to impress that the type of football that we play at Albion is at all levels. So it's kind of becomes an identity that's associated with the club, not just the first team. So I can imagine that we're just going to go out and go after them. Very much like Brentford did against Arsenal in the first game and they struggled really bad. So it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. Let's have a prediction off both of you. I just want to say it might be the return of uh, Alex's favourite player play for the Albion last season Maitland Niles what a player what a, what an absolute Rolls Royce of a player <laughs> and, I, I, and I think he could come back to haunt us to be honest oh he's such a good player I'm so good that, that we didn't get him I know me and Alex had a fond affinity for him and Joe perhaps less so but yeah it'd be nice to see he'll get a great reaction I'm sure you know I've got a little bit of hope that there's a little chance that we might actually be able to sign him. I can't see him getting much game time for Arsenal. If we could pick him up for, say, like seven or eight million, I can see it because I reckon he enjoyed his time at the club. So, you know, strange things happen at sea. But yeah, with Arsenal as well, I think Arteta's got a bit of pressure at the moment from the Arsenal fans. So, you know, he'll probably look to play the strongest team because I think if they they lose to us, that'll really kind of put the cat amongst the pigeons. Mm Mm-hmm. I think there's more chance of us abducting Ainsley Maitland-Niles at the moment than actually signing him. But um, I'm totally on board with that, Al. I would love to see him at the club. I think he would be the perfect solution to our midfield problem at the moment. Joe, stop shaking your head. Let's have some predictions then about this game. I've already had a prediction of Joe's son. He said it's going to be 4-2 to Albion. But Joe, do you concur? I'm going to go 2-2, and it goes straight to penalties, doesn't it? It doesn't have extra time in Carabao. So I think we're going to win on penalties. 2-2, full-time win on penalties for West Brom. Cool. Al? I reckon we'll win 3-0. I feel quite confident, and I think Arsenal, they're playing like typical Arsenal at the moment. They just look at every opportunity to do the opposite of what Albion are doing at the moment in terms of the look of the draws not with them at all, and they're just not meeting expectations. And I'm going to go with three goals to Albion, one goal to Arsenal. I think they will get a goal. I can see our defence being a weaker defensive unit that aren't used to necessarily playing together, but I do think that will cause them problems and score goals. So I do think that we'll go through and I hope that it'll be 3-1. I'm not sure I'm ready for penalties yet. Let's quickly preview the weekend's game then, which is again on Sky Sports as well. Gosh, we're popular with Sky, but that's against Peterborough away. Peterborough obviously newly promoted. Had a bit of a mixed bag of results since coming into the league. They've got one win, which was a, a particularly insane win against Derby, where I think they were still losing in like the 93rd minute and scored in the 100th minute to win 2-1. And they've got one draw and two losses. So they're currently 17th in the table. I think they were expected to be a little bit of a, a rabble rouser coming up. Like to use kind of very current terms there, but they haven't really been, and I think they've been quite poor a lot of this season. Were you guys thinking about the Peterborough game? I think it'll be us all over them, and I think we'll win. I just think we've got too much for them. I think they're obviously new to the league. They're a selling club, so they they really do bring in young players, try and bring them up and then send them on to teams above. So I just think they're not equipped for this league, and I think they'll be going down again this season. That'd be horrible to the posh. But yeah, I don't think they're equipped for it. So I think we'll be too strong and we'll win it by quite a big margin. What score then? Go on, you didn't give us a score. My prediction for the score is 6-0. Wow, cool. Great. Al, can you go one better? 
Of course I can. Um, 7-0. No, I I reckon this will be a really good acid test for... I think the the teams that we've played so far have been top half table, I think it's fair to say. So I think this will be... Hopefully we can absolutely slaughter them, you know, and just, you know, score a lot of goals. Hopefully the injury to Clark doesn't cause uh, any hiccups. But, you know, I think we'll thrash them. I'm going to go for probably 7-0, something like that. Very good. I think, yeah, like just to agree, as always, is good form on this podcast. I think we just got way too much for them. I can't see them really causing us too many problems. Again, I think we we potentially got a mistake in us that could lead to a goal. So I'm going to say 5-1 to Albion. I think we'll just absolutely terrify them coming out the gates and I can see us taking a very heavy early lead in the first half at least and just being out of sight really and then just seeing the game out in the second half a little bit of an interesting note that Alex is putting on now it's another week where we haven't got a midweek rest so fatigue obviously does start to kind of plague the back of your mind uh, with the way we're being frantically put through this schedule any quick thoughts on that? After Saturday, we've got, is it international break after that? So all Val's got to look after is trying to rotate and not get any injuries, well, any bad injuries. And that's all we need to look forward to, you know, like that two-week rest for the players. Yeah, Peterborough, they don't have a game midweek, so they might have a fitness advantage against us. But I don't see it being an issue this stage of the season. Uh, I think we'll be able to rotate on Wednesday night, particularly in the key positions, hopefully, where they do most of the running. So I reckon we'll be all right. Yeah, we won't accuse them of cheating just yet. We'll wait till after the game to do that. Any changes to 11, can you see? Yeah, I hope some of the players impress against Arsenal, like this Castro fella, and then, you know, gets himself in the team. Perhaps Snodgrass as well. I think we'll need a new central defender too with Clark in the medical room. So perhaps a joy slipping into his boots. Very, very good. Well, I think we've said it all. I know I often ask you guys. <laughs> and that will kind of wrap up another episode of the Hawthorns Debate Club. We have flirted with the late night jazz piano outro again I think here because it's so late night but we'll go back to good old fateful outro music I think for this one Um, but all that remains for me to say is a big thank you to Alex cheers a big thank you to Joe cheers and thank you for listening to the Hawthorne's Bake Club this week we'll see you soon